0: Now I'm grateful for that heart, I'm so grateful for that heart, the heart to go and do what God is calling you to do, whether it means be here, whether it means to go to Oklahoma, whether it means to go to any of the other plantings we have, it's, it's so encouraging. Todd, yeah, amen, that's right, go, amen. Todd loves you, he's not trying to get rid of you. You know, today we want to talk about the heart, and that's what I want to talk about today, a heart for Jesus. So uh, right before we dive in, let's, uh, let's go to God in prayer. Father God, we're so thankful for you. We're so thankful for your son. God, we're so thankful for the example he set on this earth. God, right now I want to pray that uh, as we look through scriptures, God, we can get our hearts closer to your son. We can get our hearts to a point where we can start imitating your son day by day. We're so thankful for you. We love you so much. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, recently I was reading a book called Jesus the Same. And uh, it's by Charles Jefferson. If you haven't read that book, it's a great book. It talks about who Jesus was as a man, his character, what he, what he did, how he did it, why he did it. You know, it, it's a great book. Uh, in fact, my dad reads it once a year. He's like, I don't read many books twice, but this one I read once a year. So I'm like, all right, I'll read it. And uh, you know what? It was worth it. And I'm very encouraged, you know, that, that I had the chance to read that. You know, what I started to do is I started to look at Jesus. Okay, you know, what did he do? You know, I said, okay, I want to do everything Jesus did. Like, okay, well, uh, that's overwhelming. Okay, well, okay, now let me think about it. Okay, I want to have a heart just like Jesus did. I want to love just like Jesus did. And then I got depressed again, like, "Ah, that's also overwhelming. (laughs) Every day he went, he went. And he went because he loved people. And, and for me, I, I don't think that's what Jesus wanted. He came and died for us so we can live a new life, be excited to be a disciple. And, and so I'm like, okay, well, how can I get to this point where I'm not overwhelmed by trying to live like Jesus and just start living like Jesus and imitate his heart? You know, I, I realize I, I've got to figure out where to start. Because if I don't know where I'm going, I'm, I don't I don't know what to do, and so what I did is I put a map on the screen, and, and right there, that's the DFW airport, and so if I were to ask you, what's the best route from your house to the DFW airport, you would probably all give different answers. Maybe even some husband and wives will debate, no, this way is better or this way is better, but you would all give me different answers because you live at different places, and it's the same thing. If we're all trying to get to Christ, that's the goal. we're going to have all, you know, all going to have different starting points. So we got to know where to start, because if we don't know where to start, we don't know where to go. We have an idea of where we want to go, but we don't know where we are going. You know, I think (coughs) right now what I want to do is I want to look at different men in the Bible and the different heart traits that they had, and maybe Maybe you can start looking, okay, these are, I'm going to pull from this person. How did they overcome it? And I want to pull for this person, and how did they overcome it? And so, so we can start to better understand who we are and how we can get to Jesus. <clears throat> but I want to open it up with a question. Think for yourself, who is, outside of God and Jesus, who is your favorite Bible character? Right, think it to yourself. <clears throat> you know, I, I asked this question uh, to a couple people while back, and uh, I got a lot of different answers. So let me, and I asked why. Okay, why is this your favorite person? So here's some of my answers. Peter, because he was bold. David, because he was a man after God's own heart. Paul, he was so passionate. A lot of the sisters said Esther. She was a great woman for God. No guys said Esther. I was kind of discouraged about that. A lot of, uh, a lot of you know Dave Hooper. He leads the church in Austin. His answer was Ehud. And I asked him why. He's like, well, he's left-handed. <laughs> That's all it took for, to be Dave's favorite person was he just had to be left-handed. Just someone he could relate to. For me personally, I wrote John because I like to think that I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. <clears throat> you know, amen. No prideful. I just, that was my honest heart. We're working on hearts today. That's how I felt. You know, and there were a few other names that were mentioned But there was one name that nobody said. Okay, by a show of hands, how many of you know somebody named Judas? Okay. How many of you, you know, you're thinking about having kids. This is one of the names that's on that list. (laughs) No? Not a lot of that? You know, why is that? Well, probably because... (laughs) We don't want to have anything to do with that individual. And we start to distance ourselves. Oh No, he was, he was, you know, he was deceitful. He was a terrible person. He betrayed Jesus. We don't want to know that person. We don't want to have that name tied to anybody we know or love. You know, and I did a little bit of research, and, and we're going to talk about this a little bit today, of what I thought was Judas' biggest issue. You know, because all the disciples have their issues. They all had different things they were dealing with. They all ran away when Jesus was arrested. They all left God at one point. But we look at Judas and we say, okay, he's the one that we're, you know, we don't want to associate ourselves with. So why? And so I want to look at that amongst a few other things this morning. I want to look at different men in the Bible, including Jesus, Judas, and examine their hearts. Because I think that's the goal of what we want to get to. We want to get to our hearts. Okay? Because if we can know where to start in our hearts, we can know how to get closer to the heart of Jesus. Amen? So point number one, do you have the heart of Nathanael? John 1, 43. It reads, the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to them, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked, Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. heart. Verse 46, can anything good come from Nazareth? Can anything? Think of that. We start to do that. You know, some of you are Cowboys fans. Can anything good come from Philly? Anything? Anything? Amen. And we, and we get that heart, and we become super critical. You know, Nathaniel allowed his preconceived notions to overtake his thoughts and judgments. This is what I know to be true. I know that that area is not a really good area, so nothing good can come from over there. We don't talk about that place. Nothing good. But you know what was encouraging about Nathaniel? He spoke what was on his heart. (laughs) He was critical, but he got open. Hey, this is how I'm really feeling. You know, what about us? I think we all wrestle with critical thoughts. Do other people have to play spiritual battleship with you because you just won't open up about those thoughts? So tell me what you're thinking. Tell me what you're thinking. Now I think we've got to take the initiative. This is where I'm at. This is where I'm feeling. Bro, sis, help me. And maybe you start to give yourself excuses. You say, okay, well, you know, I do talk, but I don't really feel like anybody's listening. Or maybe the feel, you, know, you feel like you're not heard is because you feel like, hey, well, no one's going to listen to me, so why, I'm just going to disconnect and not listen to anybody else. Wow. We become so critical, so divisive. Nathaniel, Nathaniel said what was on his heart, and then he got corrected for it. And he was okay with that. He goes, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You know, when we have these thoughts, and we get open with them, we've got to approach it humbly. This is where I'm at. Help me. Help me understand. Help me me grow closer to God. You know, for me personally, this is something I wrestle with. You know, I've been going to church for about 30 years now. I've been a disciple for half that. And, uh, you know, to my shame, I've been in the audience before thinking, man, I've heard this lesson before come around for 30 years, you've heard a couple of the same lessons before. And you know, and what happens is for me, my mind shuts off, my guards come up, I just stop paying attention. Why I've heard it. <laughs> you know, okay, wh- what do I got for the rest of the day? All right, let's get this over with, let's get this over with. And I can get like that. But you know, one of the things I've realized is that when my guard comes up, It's usually probably the lesson I really need to hear the most. (laughs) Because, you know, if God's having to repeat it to me over and over, it's something I haven't got yet. And a lot of us, were in that same boat, man, I've heard this lesson before. Well, God's really trying to tell you something, so start listening. Start listening. You know, I think there are situations where our heart just becomes critical and maybe even numb to God's word. does our heart become so critical it's god's word jesus died for you and we're numb do you personally know why this happens to you you know some of us we become critical and we're all well that's just who i am and we leave it at that and we use it as kind of a, a scapegoat so we don't have to repent You know, what do you do in situations where you've got two different opinions? Two godly individuals talking with two different opinions. How do you handle that? Do you become critical and back off? Or just stop listening? You know, I think we need to make a decision. We just got to talk it through. And we've got to accept, you know what? In this situation, I just may need to be humble. And God's going to use it. Because God is bigger than all of it. But sometimes we don't see that far. We see right in front of us and no further. But we've got to see the big picture and realize God's in control and God's overall. You know, it's not bad to have difference of opinions. In fact, that's awesome because we need that. As a church to grow, there's some things that some people see and there's some things they don't see. And they need help. They need insight. But we've got to be willing to go, you know what? If this is what you want to do, great. If not, man, I'm here to help. Not just, okay, great, and back off. No, I'm here to help. I'm here to serve because I love Jesus. And I want to imitate the heart of Jesus. You know, and it wasn't just Nathanael that had this. It was the other disciples. I mean, you start to look at the disciples. You had Peter, who was, or excuse me, you had Simon the Zealot, which, you know, now would be considered like anti-government. And then you had Matthew, the tax collector, who worked for the government. I'm pretty sure conversations happened that were probably a little bit more heated than they should have been. In fact, they argued all the time about who was the greatest. Who knew if it was Jesus? Maybe it was themselves. Well, I'm anti-government, so I'm the greatest. No, I'm pro-government. Who knows? Hey, I'm on TV. (laughs) Fantastic. That's not awkward. All right. But, you know, one of the things that really encouraged me about that was they always seemed to work it out because they always stopped and turned to Jesus they always stopped and turned to Jesus when we have a critical heart and we want to go towards Jesus we got to start looking at him we got to be open about what we're feeling and we just got to start looking at him because God can work with us if we're vulnerable he can work with us if we're honest if we're not open what are we going to do can't get people to help you because you're not being open and real You know, next, I want to look at someone who had no problem saying what they were thinking. Point number two, do you have the heart of Thomas? John 20, verse 24. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, no. (laughs) Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe it. Your best friends tell you they've just seen Jesus. You're like, no, nope, you're not going to believe it. They must have messed with him a lot if he wasn't believing that one. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Through the door, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands, reach out your hand, and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Thomas had a doubting heart. He needed proof that Jesus was alive. He was not going to believe it he saw it with his own eyes you know there's two things i want to look at here with thomas you know although he doubted and was sometimes just a little bit stubborn he had no issue saying whatever popped into his head you know john 11 he thought it would be a good idea to go die with jesus because they're they're going to go help lazarus and lazarus had died and he's like hey let's go die too what does that mean and just whatever he thought yeah let's just go die oh okay I mean, it's just kind of things. He just Whatever he was thinking, he said it. But Jesus trusted him. Jesus wanted him as one of the 12. Probably because he said what he was thinking. Probably because he had the courage to say what everybody else was thinking. But he still struggled with doubt. You know, I think like Thomas, sometimes we do doubt. But instead of being open and honest, we just stuff it. We, eh, it's not a big deal. I'll get over it. know i thought about it and i've been in a good amount of discipling times and it's not very often where people get open with doubt a few people have feel like they've been a little faithless but most of the time you don't hear that that's not something that's you know confessed on a regular basis and i think you know I, i started thinking okay why is that well probably because we don't think it's a big deal like well it's not a big deal i've got other like bigger sins that i'm really wrestling through right now you know, maybe you're, you're sitting there thinking, well, I got open with my marriage. I got open with my pride. I got open with my purity. I got open with the one time I swore at the television this week. Whatever it is. but And so you, you do this checklist, but just doubting just never comes up. just never comes up. And I want to encourage you to examine some of the things you confess and why you confess them. maybe you doubt your marriage is not from God, and it leads to all kinds of bumps and issues, and that's why you're having marriage troubles. Maybe you doubt the right person is leading you in your life, and it makes you to become prideful, and that's why you have to get open about your pride. Or maybe campus, singles, you doubt that God has someone out there for you, and that's why your purity starts to struggle. And the root sin of all these things that are coming out is doubt. And just being faithless. Now, I think we've got to understand our own heart. Am I, am I a faithless individual? Maybe not all the time, but when things get hard, am I faithless? You know, one of the, I want to share about one of our interns in the East. Uh, his name's Tommy. He's currently an intern there now. And Tommy's first time speaking to the East region, he did a testi- his own testimony about how God changed his life. So we we let him get up there. He did communion. He did a really good job. And Tommy shared how making the decision to go against his family, to go against his mom, who he's very close to, to become a disciple was hard, but it was worth it. And then he goes and shares about how his brother, who who had died early on in life, it was just such a, a trying times. But you know what? God used it to help him become a disciple. God worked through it. And then he shared how, even though how his mom was recently diagnosed with cancer, and had no health insurance, and wasn't interested in the church, God will do a miracle. And then he walked off stage. Everybody just kind of they clapped and were like, "Okay." uh." And I bet half the congregation doubted. Well, okay, well someone, you know, please talk to him. Make sure you know he understands that this could take time and things could. But he was he was faithful. God will do a miracle amen, in front of the whole church, with confidence, he stated, God will do a miracle. That's a bold statement. <laughs> Hebrews 11, faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. Now, personally, I believe God would do something. God would help him. I, I didn't have a time frame. I'm like, man, I you know, I'd pray for God to do something, but not, <laughs> I couldn't even fathom what God actually did. You know, a few, ba- a few days passed. Mom changes her mind and starts studying the Bible. Very short, very shortly after that, the hospital, which she's going to, again, with no health insurance, gives her a scholarship, and it covers all of her medical bills for a year. She's not even qualified. She doesn't live in the right area, and they still gave her this scholarship. It covered all of her medical expenses for a year. As of this moment, his mom's her sister in Christ, and she is cancer-free. He had faith, and he believed, and God worked with it. You know, I think we got to go, okay, where's my faith? Because a lot of times, uh, you know, the Bible talks about having faith as small as a mustard seed. You know, that's the minimum. We can do more than that, have faith greater than that, but we got to want to. You know, the second thing I want to look at here with Thomas is this term blessed. And in verse 29, it says, blessed are those who have not seen. And yet have believed. You know, this this term blessed talks about a pure happiness. It's a pure, unshakable joy. So Jesus is telling Thomas, look, I'm I'm glad you're happy to see me. You know, that's great. But happiness comes from those who believe in me, though they don't see me. They have faith as big as a mountain and have no logical reason to do so. They just have Jesus. Jesus is saying, we will get pure joy if we're not needing Hey, prove it. No, I, you know, I'll believe, but I, I got to see these things happen in my life. No, pure joy comes when you believe no matter what. An unshakable joy comes when you believe God will work through you no matter what. You know, our goal as we press on towards Jesus is we got to come to a place where we don't want to doubt anymore. We just don't want to doubt And when we start to feel those feelings of doubt, we start to talk to people about it. Hey, this is what I'm feeling. You know, I'm not sure. Help me overcome my unbelief. Help me understand. You know, and I think when we do that, times of refreshing will come. But we've got to make the decision that we're going to push towards Jesus here. You know, someone who had kind of no problem (laughs) confessing that Jesus wasn't God was Peter. I want to look at that. Point three, do you have the heart of Peter? Matthew 16, verse 21, from the time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and on the third day he will be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Oh, my goodness. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. It's a bad discipling time. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in the mind the the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Peter had an emotional heart. He pulled Jesus aside and rebuked him. And he knew who he was. He had just confessed recently that you are the son of God. And then a few verses later, he rebukes him. Bless his heart. (laughs) You know, Peter let his emotions get the best of him. He was overcome with the current situation, and he let his emotions get the best of him. And he thought he was doing the right thing. He thought he was doing what he had seen Jesus do before. You know, correct, teach, I got to train. But he was emotional. He was not in his right mind. You know, I'm sure we've had moments like this before. Maybe your team lost another close game, and you're just on edge the rest of the day at home. That's for the brothers. Or maybe for the sisters. Maybe you're watching, I don't know, Bachelorette, and she sends the wrong guy home again. I can't believe she did that. This was the one I was cheering for. Maybe it's just a rough time at home all around. So much going on. You know, but I believe the reason we get so emotional is because we lose sight of God. We lose sight of God. You know, when was the last time you just spent the day of being in awe of God, of who he is and what he's done? You know, when we take our eyes off Jesus, that's when the real issues start to kick in. You know, recently, actually, last week, my family uh, got to go to Disney World, and, uh, woo, and it was a lot of fun. We had a great time, you know, and, and one of the things at Disney World is around the parks, there are different characters, and they kind of have their little stations where you can go, and you can wait in line, and you can get autographs, and I didn't wait in any of the lines, but, you know, I wanted to, but no, but, you, and so the, they're stationed throughout the park, and so I was walking with my daughter. And uh, we noticed that uh, Belle from Beauty and the Beast was, was signing autographs. And Holly really likes Belle. She likes a lot of the Disney princesses. And so we're like, okay. And so I grab her hand, and we start walking towards the line. And as we're about 100 yards away, we notice uh, basically Belle is going on break. And she's starting to walk away. And so I, so I kneel down to my daughter, and I'm like, okay, look. Yeah, <laughs> okay, wave bye to Belle, and, you know, we'll, we'll see her later. Ah, she's not having that. <laughs> nope. And she starts pulling away from me like, no, I want, no, no. You, she's, she's got her pacifier in her mouth, so I don't really understand what she's saying. No. And, and as, as she's sitting there and we're conversing, Belle walks up and looks at her and, uh, and says, hey, I've, I've lost my teacup chip. Can you help me find it? And <laughs> Holly stops what she's doing. I guess that's how you make a you know kid stop crying. You bring a Disney character. And she just stared at her. Yes. <laughs> she sticks her hand up and she just, they walked around the park for about 10 minutes and we had, what happened was is we had other families see this and walk up and you know uh, Belle's got her little entourage and they're walking up to the people like hey, can we be next and the guy's like no, we don't do this this is special and I was like <laughs> <laughs> it was a little quieter than that but I did say it she was awestruck. She took her hand willingly, yes, and, and, and Belle would talk to her, and she'd just look at her. And here's some pictures of it. And so they walked to the fountain, and she hugged her. And they had, and the coolest thing is, they had a photographer just follow them around for a few minutes and take pictures. And I'm just sitting there like, all right, well, I guess Belle's my new favorite Disney character. <laughs> Holly was awestruck with this character. You know, you know this character, this individual took time because she didn't know this girl, but she just wanted to help her. You know, a lot of times we can look at God, and God does know us, and he really cares for us. Yet we don't, We take our eyes and we move it down, and we try to do our own thing, try to figure out our own way. And, we, and we're not ready to listen to what he has to say. God cares for you. God can calm our emotional hearts, but we have to let him. We have to let him. Peter had his own opinions on how Jesus should do things, and he expressed it. No, <laughs> you will not die. This is not going to happen. But in that statement, he had to be willing to, to let Jesus respond. And, you know, so Jesus, or Peter looks really bad in this light, but Peter was open. He got open with what he was feeling. No, don't do this. No, this is is not the right way. And Jesus helped him. You know, I think you look at these three men before you, and they all had their issues, but they were all open about it. They all said what was on their hearts, and they were humble enough to be willing to hear, okay, what, what do I need to change? Even if they didn't want to, they were humble enough to listen. But Judas wasn't like that. We're going to look at it. Point number four, do you have the heart of Judas? John 12, verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took out about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples... Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth the year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me Judas had a deceitful heart you know Judas makes a great point if we're honest hey this money could have been better used for the poor and we're trying to help the poor we're trying to comfort the poor this this could have this could have gone a long way you know that's a great spiritual idea hey looking out for the poor that is the right thing to say in that situation you know and if I was there I probably would have thought to myself, man, that's a great point. I didn't think, yeah, we should have given that support." Why are we doing this? But in that moment, I wouldn't have all the facts. Judas was a liar. He didn't say what he was thinking, and he was a thief. His heart was far from his lips. He was trying to be a good person on the outside, but on the inside, he was a mess, and he didn't want to talk about it. You know, one of the things I want to point out here that I find interesting is Jesus' response is not a rebuke. It's more like a brush off. He doesn't really get to the heart of it. It wasn't a real correction. He just basically told him, leave Mary alone and move on. And I I stared at him like, why? You got Judas and, you know, you know his heart. You know what he's doing. And you don't confront it? Why not? Why didn't Jesus go after this guy? I think, you know, I I, I stared at it. I I couldn't understand it. And all I could come up with was, you know, why would Jesus try to correct someone that wasn't willing to repent anyway? Just wasn't willing to repent. Wasn't willing to be open, so why bother? Why bother? You know, and that's a very scary place to be. That's a scary place to be. And no one's really talking to you because, eh, they don't really believe in you anyway. Because you haven't shown any signs. (coughs) I had a basketball coach in high school. He says, if I'm yelling at you, that means I like you. If I'm not talking to you, you need to be concerned. I just don't care about you. That's true. (laughs) So when he yelled at me, I was like, "Oh, okay, I'm going to play this week. Fantastic. All right. (laughs) But sometimes if we're not being honest, we're not going to get help. We've got to make sure in our heart we're not at this point where we're so far gone that no one even wants to help us. That's where Judas got to. Our goal should be to grow closer to Jesus every day, to be more like him, embody all of these characteristics, all the things he's done for us. But the only way we can do that is to figure out where we're going to start. So maybe you look at a couple things in these passages and these things that we looked at. Okay, You know, I'm definitely working through some doubt, and I definitely got some criticalness in my heart. Okay, well, how did Jesus approach it? Well, great, we'll start to get open first and then go from there. Be honest with where you're really at. You know, because when I think of Jesus, my personal thought of Jesus is a man who endured the cross willingly and joyfully. Jesus wanted to die for me. And it was hard, but he did it joyfully because he knew what it was worth. Jesus cares about me. He had the heart to give everything up for me. He had the heart... to willingly disconnect for the first time in the entire creation with his Father and go to hell for me, because he loved me. And I think for us, that's got to be what we're striving towards. I'm willing to do whatever it takes because Jesus did it first, because he set the example. And that's what I want to imitate. I want to have the heart to be like Jesus. I want to have a heart that I'm going to give joyfully in all circumstances even when it's hard, even when no one's watching, I want to give joyfully. You know, I believe if we start doing that, giving joyfully, we'll become less critical, we'll become less emotional, and we'll become more faithful because we'll be joyfully serving others, and we get to see how God works in those situations. We'll take all of our stuff out of the way, and we'll just get to look at God and look at how he's working through others, and it'll be awesome. So I want to challenge you today, be open. Be open with the person that brought you. Be open with your spouse. Call Alan. He's always awake. Be open with him. (laughs) Whatever you need to do. And then be willing to start giving. And do it joyfully. And God will work through it. Amen? Amen? Amen.